0: You're listening to the Brand Builders Podcast with your hosts, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. Welcome to another episode of the award-winning Brand Builders Podcast powered by the Dunstan Group. My name is Brian Young. We are here with the president of the Dunstan Group, Scott Dunstan, and we are here with a new organization uh, in Charlotte. Actually, not a new organization. They are uh, a well-established organization, but they're new to the Charlotte area, Prescient Company. We are here with El Daif, uh, who is the uh, CEO and president of the organization, and this is a such a cool company, y'all. I cannot wait to tell you about it. Their tagline is, is revolutionize the building environment. And it's going to be fascinating to, to hear what they do. So let's talk a little bit about you know, this organization. If you've lived in Charlotte the past 10 years, you can't miss the way that Center City has been transformed with apartments and other multifamily housing. Charlotte's growth is exploding and all of our new residents uh, have to live somewhere. In fact, a lot of cities have faced this problem. And really, it's all a bunch of a large kids known as millennials leaving college, joining the workfa- workforce, excuse me, and Charlotte's a hotspot. So, you know, how do you build housing fast enough? How can we keep up with the trends? But ultimately, how can we get enough housing for people that want to live here? And how do you make it affordable? Those are tough things, but Prescient has come up with an amazing opportunity here. Our next guest on the Brand Builders podcast is part of cutting edge uh, technology for uh, basically the design and build of multi-unit, uh, industry multi-unit, um, apartments and buildings and literally anything you can imagine. So we're so excited to learn a little bit about this. They can build buildings up to 17 stories tall using a streamlined digital process that saves time and money. It's incredible. Like When I first heard about this, I was like, wait a minute. It's like you're using a computer program and boom, the building's up just like that. So let's jump into Prescient. Let's learn a little bit more about this organization that is now calling Charlotte home. Thank you so much for joining us on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
2: Yes, sir. Thank you. So Prescient is a new way to build tall buildings, as Brian mentioned, and you're using digital technology to tie all the steps together. Could you start by explaining that to us a little bit? <laughs> it sounds complicated, but... I'll, I'll make it
1: very, very easy. When, when, usually when you uh, want to build something or a building or a house, or I mean, you, you go to the architect and you ask them to draw... What you really want to, want to build. So you have a design. First, you start with the design aspect of what you want to build. Then you go to an engineer to say, well, how do I make that design stand? Right? How do I build it so, uh, that I can, I can live in it? And then, then you go to a contractor who's going to build it. So you got to go through these three, simplistically, these three steps to be able to realize or, or get a project up. And today, when you do that, you go to three different people. So you go to the architect, you go to a structural engineer, then you go to the general contractor, and the coordination between all these folks is so, it's, it's so fragmented, it's so uncoordinated, uh, that it makes that whole process super inefficient. And that's, that's really what the problem that we're trying to solve. That's really today the issue with construction is it's not a very efficient process. And if you take a look at every sector of the economy over the last 40 years, productivity has doubled or tripled. Construction for the last 40 years productivity has remained at zero. Really? It's amazing when you think about it because we've been doing the same doing it the same way, inefficient wow. way for the last 40 years and we haven't figured it out.
0: Wow. <laughs> I mean, so <laughs> With with this, how did you even come up with the idea? Like, I mean, it looks like something that's so like, if, OK, here's a great example. Um, people talk about innovation from an engineering standpoint, and there's a lot of products that have not been basically innovated in a very long time. Take like a lawnmower, like a lawnmower has been pretty much the same for a very long time. Why? Because it works. They figured it out. There's no one out there like, let's figure out a new idea until Husqvarna decided to make their robot lawnmower. Right. So like now that's like the next step up. Are we all going to have robots? They're going to be mowing our yard. How did you come up with the idea around this? And and, and tell me a little bit about that philosophy, because it's fascinating. It's like something that, you know, you went against what. History is telling you how you build buildings, if that makes sense.
1: Well, I, I wish I could take credit for the idea, but I met the founders that had the original idea almost eight years ago. Okay. And they were tired of doing the same. They were tired of reinventing the wheel every time you do a construction project. Because basically you start from scratch. There is no standard. So think of it as every time I have a building, I have to start from, gra- I have to go to an architect, draw everything from scratch, then repeat that exercise over and over again. And that's a waste of time and effort and money, obviously. Absolutely. so uh, and then the financial crisis hit. They had a little bit of time on their hand, and they said, "Well, if we were to rethink how we do this, how would we do it different? How would we approach it from more of an industrial production mindset that we don't uh, don't have today in housing?" And that's sort of where the idea started budding uh, of of doing that in a different way. But they realized very quickly that if you don't use technology to get it done, um, it's not going to be successful. So that's how it sort of, um, they they, they thought about it. And they were thinking about it of how do I standardize, how do I industrialize the whole process? So it started with the, if you will, the process, not necessarily the, the building material or the approach or the software, all of that. How do I change the process? And then... Um, once they started figuring that out, they said, well, what's the best material that I can build with that is going to make it more standard, more predictable? And as you know, most of the the, the housing in in the U.S., whether that's single family homes or, or buildings up to five stories, are made out of wood. And wood is not a perfect material to do that. But right. so they said, well, we want to do it out of steel and we want to do it out of light gauge steel. So lightweight steel that can be, uh, easily manufactured and then easily installed. So that's how they started. So if you think about what Pressure, so now I'm going to jump a little bit to to, to the whole process piece. What we do is we have a kit of standard parts, like an erector set. Think of it as an erector set or a Lego set. And then we have all of the software apps, applications that allow you to take all these bits and parts and pieces, put it together, design a building virtually using 3D modeling techniques and and software that you can buy today off the shelf, pretty much, Uh, and then come up with any sort of bespoke design for that building, up to 17 stories. And then once you have that design, then you convert that model into figuring out how do I make that building stand from a structural standpoint, How do I manufacture all those bits and pieces? And then what's the optimum way and the best process for me to assemble all these different pieces together because our buildings are bolted together in the fastest way possible. So rethinking the whole process and making sure that you're saving all that time and energy using technology in a repeatable way that is Everybody and with, with transparency to everybody that's going to be looking at that virtual model. So the engineer can look at it, who is the structural engineer, the guy who's going to be doing the plumbing, the architect who's going to have to architect around it, you know, to figure out what it should look like. But you're basically building the whole structure and the chassis of that whole building the superstructure uh virtually. And then, you know, figuring out a very efficient way through technology To
2: make it real wow so on your website it says you've completed over 50 buildings and 8.3 million square feet thus far and when was the company founded the
1: company was founded in 2012 at the end of 2012 so we've been in business for about eight years
2: and so how are you when when you guys go to market and you do it so differently how are vendors and the supply chain reacting to this new model uh, because uh, by nature people don't like change and it seems to me and you could correct me if I'm wrong but this is a disruptor to how you build up to a 17 floor building
1: it it is and uh, let me tell you it was very difficult in the early years I bet this is a very uh, conservative industry (laughs) (laughs) Despite all of the fragmentation within the industry everybody makes money just fine sure (laughs) Uh, so when you come in and say, "Hey, I have this uh new way of building things, and and it's not tried, it's not tested, there's no proof of, that it could work," and you go to that customer, they say, "Well, uh, no."
2: I don't <laughs> want to be the first one to do this.
1: <laughs> I, don't to pig, right? yeah. I don't want to be the first guinea pig. So so it takes a lot of convincing, and it takes folks that are willing to make also that uh, uh, leap of faith. To try something different again because they understand what the benefits may be. So it requires somebody who's also risk taker. Sure. And and we were fortunate enough in our early years that we had folks that uh, were as innovative as we were from an ownership standpoint, wanted, were willing to try something new. uh, And that's how we got started. But our first building actually was assembled and was built by hand in a 5,000 square foot garage. So we didn't have any fancy factory, we didn't have any robots, we didn't have any of that. We started literally doing everything by hand for that first part.
0: So you mentioned, um, you know, how are we going, the risk taking, you mentioned how are you going to convince someone to work with them? Well, let's talk a little bit about your background because, you know, these owners had to convince you to come join their organization back in 2017, uh, where, you know, your background, you are an engineer with an MBA and you worked your way up with 20 plus years of experience with GE, uh, General Electric Energy. Uh, tell me about, you know, kind of your background and then ultimately what made you leave a, a, a company that is well established, a global brand that you've been there for 20 years to do this? Because obviously if you're sitting down at a table, there's going to be a lot of convincing and a little bit of risk taking to be able to make that step. For you to jump into this new kind of endeavor.
1: Well, you know, life is all about you know uh, some I would call it happy accidents or or circumstances, <laughs> you know. So, <laughs> um, and and I spent to be exact twenty seven years at GE. Oh, 27, wow. So I I started uh, as a very young engineer. I'm originally from Egypt, so I came to the U.S. They brought me to the states uh, to train with them at one of their uh, businesses, which was the power business. And I ended up coming to the States, spending about five years doing my MBA. And then they I started traveling the world with GE. So I lived in, on four continents. I lived in Asia, I lived in India, I lived in Europe, uh, Middle East. Um, so I saw the world for those 27 years. And it just so happened uh, almost eight years ago, I met one of the founders of, of Prescient uh, and, a, and a friend of mine. And he started telling me about the idea of Presship, and said, "What do you think about this idea? You come from a technology company. Um, does this idea hunt? Is it is it worthwhile pursuing?" And this gentleman was a was a an investor, a private equity investor, in in companies like like Presship, and he had also met the founders. So that's how I got hooked. And the hook for me. Was the technology piece because, and, and the technology, I would summarize it in, in two words. It's the digital thread is how do you have all of the information from concept of, of something of a, of a product, like a building or a machine or anything, all the way to the finished product. And how do you link all of these different pieces of information and data so that you understand if you tweak the design up front here, what's the implication of it, you know, from the manufacturing standpoint? performance, um, installation, all of that stuff. And nobody has really cracked that code. And what these guys, the, the, the founders are in, because they started with a blank sheet of paper, they had the ability to connect all these dots efficiently from the beginning. And that's what fascinated me from day one. And then coming into an industry as large as construction, I didn't have any real estate background, to be honest. All of my the, the, the closest I got was being involved in projects but very massive infrastructure projects for building power plants and things like that. Um I had no idea again about the the, the the if you will the real estate you know residential and all of that. But in reality, the same issues that you find on large construction projects are the same ones in um in, in residential or commercial because you have to do a great job at planning. You have to get all these different people that have all these different bits and pieces to, to add to a project together in a coordinated way. And it's not easy. And the bigger the project, the more complex, the more pieces to it. Uh, it's not an easy process. So to the extent that you have that digital thread to make all that data transparent and, um, and visible to everybody so that they can collaborate and, and without, you know, shuffling paper or doing things, you know, that, it don't make sense today. I, I think this is what was the, the attraction how I got hooked into it. And then shortly thereafter, they were raising some capital for the company to take it beyond the proof of concept. And I decided to invest at that point in time. So I invested in the company back in 2013. Uh, and then I sort of got continued to be involved on the sidelines as an advisor to the company. And then three years ago, um, the, the, the main investor in the company, the main shareholder said, well, hey, why don't you put your, uh, your mouth where your money is? Come and help us out, you know, scale it. Um, and that's where I moved from Europe. I was working for GE, uh, at that time in Europe. Um, and I decided, okay, fine. It's time to come back to the States. And I came back, moved back to Durham in North Carolina, where we had our, um, our, our headquarters at the time. And, and we also have our factory in Levin. And uh, that's how I just, you know, got roped into it.
2: Uh, I love it. <laughs>
0: what a cool story. It is. Thank I you wanna, for sharing that. I want to jump into Durham in a second, but you said you lived on four continents. What's the coolest place you've ever lived?
1: Um, I think everybody, every place was unique. I would say Singapore was probably one of the coolest of places. I also lived in Dubai, so they're very oh, wow. sort of uh, glitzy um, uh, cities. But I also lived a long time, you know, almost 13 years in London. So I like that city as well. Love and it. then I lived in New Delhi in India, which was also a completely different experience. You know? uh,
0: I so. love it. I'm a Fulham supporter yeah. in London. I don't know if you like the real football. Um, <laughs> I
1: think we're going to have to disagree. Oh, no. <laughs> Liverpool support. Hey, that's OK. That's OK.
0: I got a lot of friends who <laughs> are Liverpool. Congratulations on the, on, the, on the win. We're not even in the same league. You know what I mean? We're, we're way down there. We're a little, little, little club. I've got a
2: question. So, as you're as you're building these and you're building trust and you're moving forward with your business, eight years worth, um, are you showing from point A to B that you can build a building much faster than the old traditional ways? Is that data being supported by what you're doing?
1: Absolutely, are and uh, and I can't sort of brag about it. I have to let my customers that have experienced it brag about it. So. Fortunately, we, we have a few, and I could say that that probably has happened in the last three years. You know, the first five years where we were struggling to make sure everything that we wanted to deliver worked, um, but it's only we're really hitting our stride now in the last you know two to three years, and we've had a lot of, a lot of customers actually repeat customers. That's the best for me. The best way to demonstrate or or uh, to show that we're on onto a good thing is to have people give you two, three, four projects. And and we're fortunate enough to have that today.
0: I feel like it's one of those, um, it's like the copycat uh, uh, tactic where there's going to be a lot of people like, well, I'm not going to be the guinea pig to do that. And I don't know if that's going to work. I don't know if that's going to work. And then it does. And then more people start to do it. And everybody wants to do it, right? It's like, you guys are right there where it's like, where we can kind of tip the Tip the, uh, the curve. So that's pretty cool. Um, I want to go back into Durham. So this is pretty interesting and, and and maybe why a lot of people in the Charlotte area don't know Prescient because it is a new brand into our area. But you guys did have your headquarters in Durham and uh, you unfortunately went through a gas leak explosion that leveled your building. First off, I hope everyone was OK. Tell me about that.
1: Uh, it was a nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> But we were very, very, very lucky that we uh, didn't have anyone from Preston uh, got hurt. I was actually traveling back uh, from, from Europe. We have a base in Poland where we have a, a bunch of, you know, we have a technology center in, in Poland. Uh, and I got to learn uh, of the accident when I just landed that same, same morning. And we were fortunate because there was some, um, some work, um, that was, somebody was doing some digging on the sidewalk to lay a, a Google fiber cable and they hit a gas line. Mm. And the gas was leaking in our building. Um we didn't realize it. We called the fire department. They um they came in and they said, you know, everything is sort of under control. And then fifteen minutes later, after everybody was evacuated out of the building, boom, the whole thing went up in
2: smoke. Oh my God.
1: Um and uh unfortunately there were two or three casualties. We had a small coffee shop, uh, that was right uh, next to us, uh, next to our building. And the owner of that coffee shop, unfortunately was, uh, um, passed away and, and, and got you know, an explosion hit him while he was still trying to get out. So, wow. That's going so with, uh, I, I could tell you, it was a, a very difficult experience and it left for the, the few folks that were present seeing it as well happen um i think until today they're probably (laughs) traumatized by the whole by the whole experience
0: yeah i bet and i appreciate you telling us that story because i know that's difficult uh but i do think it's a it's an interesting story obviously the reason that you you came to the charlotte area you know when that happened what what, why charlotte you know why not rebuild in durham uh why not stay there
1: great question so so the initial um when we initially moved to to durham um we we liked the fact that we were in an area that had lots of great schools uh we were close to our manufacturing as well we wanted some place that, that was close there uh to that area from the manufacturing standpoint and then as we started building capability especially on the architectural side and attracting folks we found that Charlotte was the natural hub for us to do that and in reality uh Charlotte is a much bigger market for what we do also from a from the real estate standpoint um, so we said, well, hey, um, we don't have a building anymore. We're not beholden to, you know, to a very extended lease on this property now with this with this whole with this whole fire. Why don't we rethink, uh, you know, our, our headquarters and where it's located, and go to Charlotte where we can get younger folks that are also great um, architects and designers, and uh, and set up a base here. And we also also have a lot of other clients. As well, uh, that we can, we can engage with here in this area. So that was really the, the reasoning behind it. So it was an opportunity for us to rethink where we wanted to be based. And we're still not that far away as well from our, uh, manufacturing, you know, facility up in, uh, in Mebbin, which is, is about an hour and 45 minutes or so, so.
0: That's awesome, man. I, and we, and welcome to Charlotte. Obviously, we love to have Thank you me. guys here. I, uh, I had a friend down in Florida, unfortunately. Uh, lightning hit their house and their house burned to the ground and and it was terrible, but now it's opened up the opportunity that they get to build their dream home right on the water. Right. And, and, uh, his, his wife had an amazing post yesterday and it was just talking about, you know, how blessed she is. And you can sit there and be like, you lost everything. And, but like the reality is, is it's, it's set up something better. So I I like to think that the same thing with you guys, it got, it's, it's terrible, but ultimately it pushed you in a, in a direction that hopefully will help you grow. And hopefully there's a lot of companies in, in the, in the Charlotte area that can support you, uh, not only from this city, but then the relationships we have elsewhere. So I think that's pretty cool. Now, speaking of Charlotte, do you have any projects that are in Charlotte right now? Um, if so, cool, tell us about them. If not, tell us about some of the projects that you guys are currently working on.
1: We, we're talking about a few in, in, in Charlotte, uh, but we, we don't have anything that is going up right now. So, uh, so we just finished the largest student housing project in the United States in, um, in UC Davis in California. So 1.3 million square feet you know nine buildings. So that was a, it was a phenomenal project. We just finished that a few weeks ago. Uh, we seem to be doing a lot of student housing. Um, and all of the owners and, and developers of student housing projects, they like it because it was so predictable. When we say we're going to finish it before students move in, we usually do. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so we, we just finished that project. We're finishing another one in Fayetteville in Arkansas. Um, and then we just finished another one in, in, in Texas, a huge one in Texas as well. So, um, and then we've got a huge pipeline of, of, of projects coming up in all around the U.S. Unfortunately, with COVID, we got a lot of disruptions, as you can well imagine. So a lot of the projects, so for projects that we were already at the job site executing and assembling our buildings, we didn't get impacted as much. But for, for projects that haven't started yet, uh, where folks have not mobilized, we've seen those shift out and, and, and get delayed. Uh, so we're going to see probably a lot more activity uh, in, in the back end of the year. And we think that 2021 is going to be super, super busy for us. I mean, we're going to literally double the business uh, from year year to year in terms of the amount of construction and, and manufacturing we're going to do. Okay.
2: That sounds great. It's yeah. a, it, Your website, again, referencing it, uh, markets you serve, apartments, student housing, senior living, hospitality, and military. Um are you seeing most of those in the student housing markets, or I mean, are you pretty diverse in all of these right now with future projects?
1: We're pretty diverse. So we we've done uh, quite a few hotels. Uh, I think hotel the you know, hotel business is probably going to be uh, not yeah, still unfortunately
2: for the, for the
1: short term. <laughs> uh, but we we're, we're still doing a lot of market rate apartments. We're still doing a lot of student housing, and the one sector which I Super, super excited about is federal. Um, Federal is a massive opportunity where we can really make a huge impact uh, in a big way. And think about all of the bases around here as well, uh, with Camp Lejeune, Fort Bragg. Um, So we have massive opportunity for military housing, federal housing. So for the last year or so, we have been closely working with the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. To get our uh, our engineered systems certified to meet their requirements, uh, and we've gone through that hurdle, and now we're really engaged on a whole bunch of projects, uh, not only here in the East Coast of, of the U.S., but in 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 the West Coast, and as far as uh, as Guam, you know, bases uh, for uh, for uh, for military in, in Guam. So, so that's a massive opportunity for us, and we like it because it, it addresses a as a massive need. Uh, we have great differentiation there. Um, federal government doesn't want to build any housing out of wood, so it leaves only two options. You either can build it out of concrete or steel uh, and or light-gauge steel, which is what we are, and, and we certainly can do it faster and cheaper uh, than anyone else.
0: So I want to go back on student housing, and I think this is just obviously a topic of – uh uh, of of where we are, what are you hearing as far as student housing? Um, obviously projects have been put on hold, but when will kids go back? Is it different by the school? Like, what are they telling you? Because I have a feeling construction's about two years ahead. You guys obviously do it a lot quicker than that, but you're planning two, three years ahead of that actual project. So I'm just curious to see when when do they think students will actually be back in housing.
1: I I think they see it as you know some of the largest customers that we I just mentioned you know customers that that, that we have. For example, they just finished the uh, or are finishing the, this uh, large the, the the largest student housing project in California. they view it as a short short term blip, if you will. So it's not impacting. There's still very much planning for for new projects going forward. So they still see that demand very much there. So they're not uh, in any way thinking that student housing because it's it's part and parcel of the whole university experience. The way they 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 talk about it. So um, so they, 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 don't seem perturbed about it. And then everybody also thinks that within the next, probably 12 months, we're going to have a vaccine that will, uh, will take care of the, of all of the issues related to COVID and folks, you know, life is going to come back tomorrow. Um,
0: that's great. I mean, that's great to hear actually, because, uh, I didn't know what that answer was going to be. So that's pretty interesting. So let's talk about, um, you guys are, are, is Charlotte going to be home? Are, are we, are we making the HQ Charlotte and, and grow from here?
1: Uh, Charlotte is going to be home for the foreseeable future. Cool. I really like Charlotte. I, uh, I, I think it's from, uh, from a location perspective. And you think about all the advantages, um, infrastructure wise, airport wise. I mean, I, I get to travel all over as well. And it's great to have, uh, a CLT as the sort of the, the, the hub for us, you know, where we can travel from uh, as compared to RDU. Uh, Charlotte is also a, a huge financial center which is important for our business as well. Um, great talent when it comes to, uh, architecture architects, which, which I mentioned before. So I think it has all of the elements for us to continue to grow and expand. Um, and people want to live here, right? So if you take a look at, at all of the, 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 the cities or, or places in the South, um, or, you know, in this part of, of the U.S., I think Charlotte probably tops them in, in terms of quality of, uh, of living. And I can tell you that my family is super happy to be in Charlotte versus uh um Durham.
0: <laughs> Take that, Durham. It's
1: that, <laughs> yeah. my life, you know. Uh
0: a lot yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's fascinating. I have buddies that live in Raleigh and that whole triangle and it's funny kind of the little rivalry that we have. Like it's kinda of cool that the state of North Carolina has two regions that are growing and they're growing in different industries, but both of them are helping the state. It's pretty fascinating that that happens. Yeah. Uh, So that's pretty cool. I want to, so if, if you are listening, you know, like, share, comment, um, I want to ask you this question. If we have business owners, if we have contractors, what is your ideal client? Who are the people that you want to be having conversations with? And who are the people that you want to be able to educate and say, Hey, if you have a new project that's coming to light, let's have a conversation. Let's sit down. Let's have coffee. Let me tell you why, you know, Prescient can be an organization that can not only do this better, do it safer, but do it faster. Uh, and, and maybe even, you know, do it a little bit less expensive. I'm not sure, but like, what are the ideal target markets for you? And if people are listening to this, whether that's them or whether they have somebody in their, their contact or their network, excuse me, how can we kind of bridge that and connect the dots?
1: Sure. So anybody that has a project, which is a multi-unit residential project from five to 17 stories, um, we can talk to. So, and, and, um, So again, in all of the segments that we talked about, whether that's student housing, market rate apartments, which is predominantly what we would look at, um, or hotels, or senior living, or any type of housing like that. By the way, and I haven't mentioned affordable housing, and we've done a few of those as well. Um, So that's our sweet spot from five to 17 stories. And we like to be engaged with folks. It it doesn't matter whether that's an architect who is uh, working on behalf of a client, That's a developer who's looking at a piece of land and they want to put a project on it or a general contractor that wants to figure out a better way of doing things. But we do like to be engaged early. We want to be engaged when they have the napkin sketch. Right. Because when they have the napkin sketch, then I can really drive that different process and mindset that I talked about at the beginning. But if they're pretty much baked in the way that they have a design or something in mind, then it's going to be very difficult to drive all of the benefits that we bring in from a technology standpoint.
0: No, that's well said. We, we tell people on our end too, like bring me to the table at the front end of the conversation and we'll be able to blow your mind, right? Okay. Same kind of thing with you guys. So that's cool. So if you're at the napkin stage, stop right now, <laughs> go to pressing it. <laughs> And give him a call, um, my guy. Thank you so much for joining us. It's been a pleasure to to learn a little bit more about pressing about your background. You know, thank you for bringing such an amazing brand into the Charlotte area. Um, I really think you guys are going to do some amazing stuff. Not only you just mentioned with uh, with affordable housing, I think this could be an amazing way to put up you know affordable housing in a pretty quick uh, and 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 costly manner, which could be great. Um, so, just wanted to uh, to thank you for joining us and, and sharing your thank story.
1: You Thank you very much. Thank
0: you, sir. Awesome. Like I said, like, share, comment. If you are listening, um, you have been listening right now to Scott and Brian and the Dunstan Group and Prescient Company on this episode of the Brand Builders Podcast. You've been listening to the Brand Builders Podcast brought to you by the Dunstan Group with your host, Scott Dunstan and Brian Young. For branded merchandise and apparel that makes first impressions and ones that last, check out the Dunstan Group at dunstangroup.com.